it's estimated that 30 million people in the country have it. So that's 20 million female and 10% and, and 10 million male and 33 to 50% who report having an eating disorder also have a mood disorder such as depression and anxiety. So I did a survey monkey that I um, did in February and I got 72 responses. But for some reason, SurveyMonkey only lets you like view 40 of them and then you have to pay. So the 40 responses, I had 30 females answer and 10 males answer. And the one question that I found like, like the most significant was, are you satisfied with your eating habits? And 28 people responded no. Um, and does your weight affect the way you feel about yourself? And 31 people said yes. So I have a question for you guys. Like, are you satisfied with your eating habits? And like, or do you know someone who's not satisfied with your eating habits? And it affects their mood. Yeah, the best way to do this is raise your hands using the, uh, the digital raise your hand. And then Liz can tell you who she sees first when you raise your hand, okay? Did you find it? It's under reactions to the right. All right, okay. Wait, what are we reacting to? I'm sorry. Okay. When when Liz, when Liz asks a question, you rate, there's a reaction button on the lower right. So if you raise your hand, she'll know you want to respond, and then she'll call you by name, and then you unmute yourself. Okay. Go ahead, Lexi. Okay, so you said, like, if we're unsatisfied with our eating habits? That like, was... do you notice, like, are you satisfied with your eating habits, or do you know someone who kind of is, like, very worried about their eating habits, but not necessarily an eating disorder? Okay, so, like, for me personally, I feel like I can always eat healthier, especially if, like, you're trying to lose weight. I'm always like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have had that two brownies or something like that. But, like, I do know someone who's, like, a lot more, like, OCD about it, like, She'll eat something, and then she'll, like, she'll actually feel bad and, like, be like, I have to go to the gym now. So, I mean, she's not like she has an eating disorder, but, like, I also see that, like, she's very tough on herself, like, regarding food. Okay. Thank you. Anyone else have anything to say? Um, yeah. Um, I have, like, a, a friend at school that has, like, a problem with her eating habits, like, she feels self-conscious um, when she doesn't need to, and we try to like help support her, but sometimes she just doesn't want to have meals or she chooses to skip meals because she feels like she has to. And it's honestly really sad to see. But um, I would say that my eating habits personally, at least when I was going to school, were pretty good because I was on a schedule. But now that we're all quarantined, I've like, haven't been eating as well and it's made me feel bad about myself a little bit but it hasn't changed my habits uh, when I eat. Okay. Anyone else? Lane? Yeah I think uh, at least and I agree with Tony here is because we're all off schedule and we're all under stress and I don't like when I stress eat. Instead of eating for food, I'm hungry, I need food, I need nourishment, that kind of thing. I'm eating because of uh, stress. Um, 
to just calm me down in a sense. I want to know what you th thought about that, Liz, and everybody else as well. Yeah. So there's like a difference between disordered eating and an eating disorder. Just disordered eating is like dieting and restricting, but just because you have, you're like distorted in eating doesn't necessarily mean you have an eating disorder, but like majority of the time, distorted eating re results in developing an eating disorder. So there's three, there's a lot actually of like types of eating disorders, but I'm going to go over the main three, which is anorexia, bulimia, and binge eating disorder. So if, just in case no one knows what they are, um, anorexia is an eating disorder characterized by weight loss or lack of appropriate weight gain in growing children, difficulties maintaining an appropriate body weight for height, age, and stature, and in many individuals, distorted body image. Um, people with anorexia generally restrict the number of calories and the types of food they eat. Some people with this disorder also exercise compulsively, purge via vomiting and laxatives and or binge eat. Um, bulimia nervosa is a serious, potentially life-threatening eating disorder characterized by a cycle of binging and compensatory behavior such as self-induced vomiting designed to undo or compensate for the effects of binge eating. Um, and binge eating disorder, which is the most common in the United States, is a severe, life-threatening, and treatable eating disorder characterized by recurrent episodes of eating large quantities of food, often very quickly and to the point of of discomfort, a feeling of a loss of control during the binge, experiencing shame, distress, or guilt afterwards, and not regularly using unhealthy compensatory measures to counter the binge eating. It is the most common eating disorder in the United States. Um, so a lot of the times, if you have an eating disorder, I know for me, I had both. I had anorexia and bulimia. So I know, and when I went to like support groups and therapy, a lot of people had the same problem. So they all kind of like intertwine with each other. Um, so I have like warning signs for each of the, each of um, the eating disorders. So here's some of our anorexia. So there's dramatic weight loss, dresses and layers to hide weight loss or stay calm. Preoccupied with weight, food, calories, background and diet, dieting, refuses to eat certain foods makes frequent comments about feeling fat. So the warning signs of bulimia is um, just in general behaviors and attitudes indicate weight loss, dieting, and control of food. Um, evidence of binge eating, including disappearance of large amounts of food in a short period of time or lots of empty wrappers and containers indicating consumption of large amounts of food. Um, evidence of purging behaviors, including frequent trips to the bathroom after meals, signs and or smells of vomiting presence of wrappers or packages of, lax of laxatives in the bathroom. And then the warning signs of binge eating disorder is evidence of, evidence include disappearance of large amounts of food in a short period of time, or lots of empty wrappers and containers, like bulimia appears uncomfortable eating around others, fear of eating in public or with others, steals or hoards food in strange places and so on. So my next question is like, have you ever noticed a friend do some of the things that I mentioned, friend or anyone that you know. Again, raise your hands digitally. Um, I can, I, I'll start it. I, when I was a practicing attorney, I had a secretary who was very tall, very thin, and uh, she would 
bring in, uh, sneak in tasty cakes. I mean, by the dozens. I mean, she just bring them in and we weren't looking. Um, she would eat them. And we found all the wrappers in her garbage to go, where are all these things coming from? And then we found out that um, she was going when she took a break and she said she went for a smoke. She went to the back where our dumpster was and she would perch. And that was something we discovered um, after a while. And so we connected her with um, a health professional after that. And we had no idea what was going on um, unless, you know, without finding what we found in the garbage. Joe. Yes. You raise your hand. You have it. No, I, I was just putting my, okay. sorry. Anyone, anyone else have friends or seen experiences with people or Liz, if you could, if you don't mind, I'll go Tony. Tony, your hand's up? Yeah. No, no, my hand was up a while ago. Oh, okay. Thanks oh, do so. I have to put it down? Oh, okay. Yeah, got to put it down. Liz, um, you were, you know, open enough to tell us if you don't mind, because it's up to you. Do you want to share your experiences and, and so how you felt about this? Um, how I felt about what? Like how it started and like... Yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, that's up to yeah. you. So I always had like an issue with like my body, like even in high school, but I never resulted in like doing things until college really. Since it was like easier because like my mom wasn't making dinner for me. So like I could choose when I wanted to eat and stuff. And then... I just realized by like not eating as much, I was like losing a lot of weight. So then when I would eat something, like I would feel bad about myself. So I'd like go in the bathroom and throw up. And like, I continued to do this for like a year. So like, it was a mixture of that. And like, just like some days I would, wouldn't eat, like I would eat an apple and then that's it. And then like the next day I would eat like two meals and then like go throw up in the bathroom. Um, and a lot of people didn't notice at first. Or, like, I don't think they wanted to notice. Because, like, even if I went out to eat with my friends, I would be like, oh, I, I feel sick. Like, so I would go to the bathroom. So, like, they would think that I actually felt sick. But in, like, reality, I was, like, doing it myself. Um, it wasn't until, like, the end of sophomore year that people started noticing. And, like, they asked me questions about it. And, like, I'm going to go over that, like, how to talk to a loved one about eating concerns. So, like, I'll do that now and then kind of put my input in on each. Mm -hmm. So the first one is learning as much as you can about eating disorders. So that's reading books, articles, and brochures. Know the difference between facts and myths about weight, nutrition, and exercise. Knowing the facts will help you reason with your friend about any inaccurate ideas that you may be fueling their distorted eating patterns. Um, rehearsing what you want to say. Uh, this may help reduce your anxiety and clarify exactly what you want to say. Other people have found writing out their main points helpful. Set a private time and place to talk. No one wants to have personal issues dissected in front of a crowd, so make sure you find a time and place where you will have time to discuss your concerns about being rushed or in front of a crowd. So one of my friends did that with me. They sat me down. like It was just one-on-one, -on -one, and she told me that like my group of friends kind of noticed it, but like she felt closest to me, so like they all decided to have one person. So it didn't seem like someone was like everyone was attacking you. And I think that was really helpful. Um, be honest. Talk openly and honestly about your concerns with the person who's struggling with an eating disorder or body image. Avoid it or ignoring it won't help. Um, I think this is the most important one. 
using I statements. So focus on behaviors that you have personally observed, such as I have noticed that you aren't eating dinner with us anymore, or I'm worried about how frequently you are going to the gym. Um, because a lot of the times when people talk about it, they'll say like, you're not eating or you're exercising too much and like things like that, which is kind of like hurts. And like the girl who came to me, like I was grateful for it, but she did kind of say like, oh, I like you're not eating instead of like, I noticed you're not eating. Um, so like saying you're not eating, things like that can make a person, can cause a person to feel defensive. Instead, stick to pointing out what you observe. If you can also point out behaviors not relating to eating a weight, which may be easier for the person to see and accept. So like I became really moody and depressed. So like she also noticed, like my friends also noticed that. So they pointed that out as well. Um, the next one, stick to the facts. Raising concerns about a potential eating disorder can bring up lots of emotions and it's important not to let those run to show. Instead, talk about behaviors and changes you have observed and calmly point out why you are concerned. Um, be caring, but be firm. Caring about your friends does not mean being manipulated by them. Your friend must be responsible for their actions and the consequences of those actions. Avoid making rules, promises, or expectations that you cannot or will not uphold. Uh, for example, it says, I promise not to tell you anyone, or if you do this one more time, I'll never talk to you. I think I promise not to tell anyone is something that people do say a lot when they um, confront their friend about it, which isn't good because God forbid something actually really bad happened to them and they end up in the hospital and like you knew that and it could help. And I think some people might get mad if you like you, if um, you tell like their parents or something, but I think in the long run, like they will be appreciative of it. But at that moment, sometimes, like, you don't think about that. But then when you start getting treatment and help, it does. You do, like, you're super grateful that someone told your parents or someone of, like, higher. Liz, um, you, bring, you bring up a really good point. I want to stop you there because a lot of people faced with this issue, whether it's eating disorders or other mental health issues uh, in school, that we notice that something's wrong with our friend, that their behavior is not healthy whatever it may be, and you're torn between your loyalty for that friend or going to their parents or someone, someone else to tell them, hey, you know, this person has a problem. Uh, where should the person who's stuck in that, hey, I want to be loyal to my friend, I don't want to give away his or her secrets, I don't want to give away privacy, um, but I'm concerned. Where, where, what should the roommate or friend do in those circumstances? I think talking to the friend first and like seeing if they notice it too, because when my friends talked to me, like I, like I knew I had one, but like, I didn't want to admit it. So then, so like, yeah, like seeing if they admit it first and if they refuse to like tell their parents or refuse to get help, then I think it is important to tell someone else like who can do like who could help more. Um, I think the loyalty, like, yeah, you want to like your friend to trust you and stuff. But if it's something that could harm them, then I think it is super important to tell someone different. And if they're mad at you for that moment, like I think understand that they're going to be mad because they're still healing. But once they get better, then they'll realize how like grateful, like they'll be grateful towards you. And like, they won't be mad anymore, but everyone's going to be like a little mad at first if they tell like your parents or someone else. I'm interested if anyone in the panel 
has been in a situation where they see their friend um, spiraling somehow, whether it's depression, eating disorder, whatever it may be, and felt in a difficult position on what to do. Uh, has anyone experienced that at all? Joe. Um, so one of my best friends that I went to high school with, he recently, about like a year ago, got into like drugs bad. And uh, my mom is friends with her mom. And we're all like close and stuff. And my mom suggested that I tell her mom about the drug use. And I, I resulted to talking to her and asking her like how she felt and if she was okay and if she needed help. And she said that she'd stopped and it was a little bit further than that, but I was on the verge of going to her parents. Imagine, Joe, you probably felt very uh, conflicted in that. Yeah, I was. <laughs> if she didn't tell me she, she stopped, then I was probably going to go to her parents. Just on another issue as well, because uh, I've heard, and you're the expert here, Liz, on this. You've done the research. Mm -hmm that eating disorders come out of control issues and feeling out of control and various different things. So you control what goes into your body and sort of gives yeah. you some sort of uh, balance. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so a lot of the times it is control issues. So it's like, if you can't control things happening around you in your life, um, but you can control your eating. So you can control when you throw up, how you do it, what you eat, what you consume, and like, I, for me, I felt like that was the only thing I could control in my life. So, like, getting therapy, like, I realized um, that, like, obviously it wasn't healthy. But, like, you don't have to be in control of everything. Like, things happen. And, like, making the right, like, decisions is kind of, like, controlling your life, too. But it does stem a lot from control because I mean obviously like we don't have control in what happens in our life all the time like think like I mean look what ha just happened like we couldn't control not but we couldn't control the coronavirus mm -hmm. so like a lot of the times like people just use food as a source of controlling like what's going on in their life especially if they already have like mood like, disorders like depression or anxiety this adds on to it and then Joe, like, I like how you gave an example of not so much an eating disorder, but of something else. So if anyone else has, like, an example of something that they, like, had to deal with with a friend, they, they're more than welcome to share. It doesn't have to be anything with, like, eating disorders. It could be anything else. Allie? Sorry, it, the reactions wasn't giving me the option to raise my hand through that thing. But um, I had a friend who um, kind of early on, we were, like, sophomores in high school he was actually um it was his decision to go but like his family kind of forced him to go into a program for like abusing alcohol um I think we all started to notice like kind of like early on like it wasn't just like sneaking drinking like when our parents were gone for the weekend like how like you did in high school it was like that's how he would like end every day and like he couldn't get through the day if he didn't have like at least like one thing to drink. And like, he always would take it too far to the point where like I, he was, he, he's bigger than me now, even like I would have to like help carry him places. Like I would have to come find him cause he's like passed out drunk somewhere and stuff. And like, I had obviously like tried talking to him and like, he knew it. He just didn't want to do anything about it. Cause it was like something that was helping 
helping him like cope with like his home life. And one thing I didn't agree with, which I was completely left out of, was like his um, good family friends just like had an intervention one day. Didn't warn like any of his other friends. It was just like that family. And like they went to his family without telling any of us, like our other friends. And I think that it kind of, I get that an intervention is supposed to be an ambush, but like we agreed that we would all like sit him down, like cut, like kind of how you mentioned and just like talk to him. And I don't know if they'd start to do it if they had the chance, but I think that they kind of just like all threw things at him. And I don't think it helped for a while because it kind of made his behavior after that like spike instead of like decline. Yeah, that could definitely happen when you like someone ambushed. Mm -hmm. They might start doing it more and more. And then they were just like, you're going to this inpatient thing, like whether you like it or not. So like make up your mind about it type of thing. And like he eventually like broke down and like realized like this is bad, but I think it definitely made it worse before it made it better. I, mm -hmm. I just didn't agree. I just remember being really mad at the time. So I was like, that's not the right way to handle that. But yeah. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. I think um, talking, when we're talking about like talking to people, because I, I knew somebody, a uh, family member some time ago, who was dieting and getting very thin, very thin. And we would say to that person, you're very thin. You don't look good. And the response would be, no, I'm not. Um, and that was hard for us to understand because, you know, you, in reality, you saw the person was very thin. Uh, what is going on there in that disconnect? With you saying the but the person goes no i'm not thin i'm fat i i i don't understand what you're saying i'm not thin at like all body dysmorph dysmorphia disorder so that's pretty much where everything stems from all these eating disorders so like i like the same with me everyone was telling me like oh my god i'm so skinny but like i didn't think i was skinny like i needed to lose more and more weight and also saying like someone's so skinny it kind of makes you need to like keep up with how you look so, like, I lost a lot. Like, I lost, like, 35 pounds in, like, wow. this year. So, when everyone started telling me, like, oh, like, you look good. Like, what are you doing? Like, I didn't know what to say. And, like, I kind of was like, well, now that everyone notices that I lose weight, everyone's going to notice if I gain weight back. So, I needed to, like, keep it, like, the same. That's interesting. And let me ask you this, because you mentioned something very interesting. Because they're noticing you. So, they're noticing you for being skinny. So they're going to notice you if you gain, which would be negative, but they're giving you attention because you're losing weight. So maybe you'll continue to lose weight because you're getting attention. Yeah. So like the compliments definitely like are nice. I mean, who doesn't like compliments? And especially like, it's, especially in America, like you see skinny models everywhere. So like you want to be skinny. So when people started saying you look so skinny, like I wanted to keep that up. Like I didn't want to gain weight at all. But like if I notice like, a slight difference in like the way my body looked like I would like freak out and like like do things more just to maintain like the weight that I had like I think I was like 90 pounds at one point sophomore year of college which is like not healthy at all because I'm five foot and like the average weight for a five foot person is like 130 pounds and like I'm not I'm still not even at 130 like I'm like 110 right now which, but it's better than what I was Mm -hmm. like two years ago and even a year ago but yeah like sometimes saying like oh like you're so skinny like 
that is more like that's a trigger as well. Wow, interesting. Oh, Austin. Someone have, oh. when, when you were talking about like your family member and you're like oh like you're too skinny you don't look good I feel like that's a, a bad way of like presenting body image to people so I wanted to ask Liz like is there a way that from your experience or like and while you were like researching this like ways that you could speak to people about body image that are better than like hey like you look too skinny or you're getting too big but ways to encourage them to go whichever way and like to better themselves without sounding awful so like it's going back to like using i statements to so saying like i noticed this instead of saying like oh like you're at like you're too skinny or like oh you're gaining like weight it's instead of saying like you say like i noticed that you've got skinny in like a short amount of time or like I noticed that you've been like kind of binging a lot like is there something going on so it's always using the I statements instead of saying you or like your because it's kind of pointing the blame on them which makes them feel like worse if that answers your question um so there's a few more of like how to talk to a loved one it's removing the stigma. Remind your loved one that there's no shame in admitting your struggle with an eating disorder or other me mental health issue. Many people will be diagnosed with these issues during their lifetimes and many will recover. That was a big thing with me, the stigma, because for a while I didn't talk about it at all. But then like I kind of wanted people to know about it because if I did gain a little weight, like I wanted them to know, well, I'm gaining weight to be healthy again, not be, like, because I'm like, I don't want to say like getting fat, but like, because like I'm gaining weight because I need to gain weight and like it'll help with my health so that's why I like became open more about talking about it and like I'm not ashamed of it because you'd be surprised how many people do struggle with this um avoid overly simplistic solutions being told just stop or just eat isn't helpful it can leave the sufferer feeling frustrated defensive and misunderstood that's a big one too because like people always would say to me like why don't you just eat Cause I don't want to like, so I got really upset when people would say that to me. Um, so this one's more for like you, like be prepared for negative reactions. Some eating disorders sufferers are glad that someone has noticed that they are struggling. Others respond differently. Some may become angry and hostile, insisting that you are the one with the problem. Others may brush off your concerns or minimize potential dangers. Both of these responses are normal. Reiterate your concerns, let them know you care, and leave the conversation open. So, encourage them to seek professional help. Many eating disorder sufferers require professional help in order to get better. Offer to help the sufferer find a physician or a therapist if they don't have one, or attend an appointment where the eating disorder is discussed. And then the last one is tell someone. It may seem difficult to know when, if at all, to tell someone else about your concerns. Addressing body image or eating problems in, the, in their beginning stages offers your friend the best chance for working through these issues and becoming healthy again. Don't wait until the situation is too severe that your friend's life is in danger. Your friend needs a great deal of support and understanding. Um, but, so does anyone have any questions? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I just, of course, want to say, because, you know, we spoke about this, and I wanted to, you know, earlier on, and I uh, want to say how, you know, your strength is very impressive. And, um, you know, I just want to point that out. Um, Thank you. Why did, why did it work for you? Uh, obviously, you, you're, you know, you're healthy, and you're, you're making right choices now. Um, what, what was the, the key to your recovery that maybe you could pass on to others? So many, you know, the percentage you gave was overwhelming, where maybe they could learn from your example. Uh, what, what was the key to it? Um, I guess it sounds like cliche, but I guess like really just loving yourself and like having people around you who love you. So like kind of getting out the negativity in your life. Um, and like just not surrounding yourself in like toxic situations or toxic people, just kind of like being a little selfish in a way. Cause like a lot of the times I put my others before myself instead of my needs. So like I would be helping people with their problems and no one would really help with mine. But then like I found people who do like, it works both ways. Like I help them, they help me. So kind of just being around positivity and like loving myself and like knowing that there's people who do love me. Like that was a big like help in my like recovery. Tony? Yeah, and I wouldn't say that you're being selfish by uh, being healthier and giving yourself a better environment for yourself. Like that's the right thing to do for you to be healthy and live a good life, so. Thanks. Austin? Have any questions? Yeah, Austin's got a question. Um, I don't. I think if you leave your hand raised, it kind of just stays there. Oh, it just stays there. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I guess, like, I mean, this was harder to do without, like, in school. So... I guess the last thing I'll say is like, so an eating disorder doesn't really like ever go away. You always kind of have it in the back of your mind, especially in certain situations. So when I'm feeling like, since I struggled with depression as well, if I'm feeling more depressed, I have like more of the urge to like not eat certain things or like kind of like take control like by purging. Um, but then I always remind myself of like how far I did, I have come. And that like makes me stop. And I know, like, now a lot of people who are stuck in the house kind of feel that way. Like, I know I feel that way. Well, I've, like, felt that way. Like, I'm stuck in the house and, like, I have nothing to do because, like, one of my coping mechanisms was, like, I okay, I go to class, so, like, I keep my mind off of it. I hang around, like, my friends, like, with, on campus, so it's, like, keeping my mind off of it. But now, like, there's, like, really nothing to do. So, like, I think about it more, but again, like thinking about how far I came kind of like makes me stop do it. And like, there's people who are proud of me about how far I came and like, I'm proud of myself. So it makes me like not want to do it. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Cause like, I didn't get to get the expert to come. Well, I, th I think you did a pretty good job of being the expert Liz. Thank you. I, I really do. And um, I want to thank you for your frankness and openness and I think I recorded this and I'm going to send it to you to get your permission to use it. But I would like, to, I would like to post this after I get your permission, because I think people watching somebody like you talk so honestly about this and openly, I think it could help people come out more importantly, also help people deal with others that are in that situation. 
and how to talk to them and how to approach them like you gave us a template kind of on how to do it. So I want to personally thank you because I think you're going to help people who need help. And I'm very proud of how well you've done today, but more thank importantly, you. how well you've done with this situation. Does anyone have anything? Because I think you all should say something uh, to your classmate, how well she did today. Uh, Kate, do you have anything to say? Um, good job, Liz. Uh, <laughs> I know, like, it is hard because sometimes, like, you notice it after the fact, like, my best friend from high school or like growing up she had an eating disorder and like um I felt guilty for like not knowing like not seeing those signs and like I know Liz like we lived next door to each other for like a whole year freshman year and it's like I definitely didn't like pick up on like little things that I probably could have with like the amount of time that like we spent together so it's like those are always interesting things to like think back on but um I know like we're all happy that like you recovered the way that you did because like we all love you as like a friend and Aww, love you. be around with all of us. Lexi? Yeah, no, I definitely like, we're all proud of you. And like, I know how hard that was to go like and say, it's like different, like when you're speaking to people and like saying your experience and like holding back your emotions. And I think you handled that really well. And we're all really happy that you're like recovered. And like, if you ever feel like you're getting in that dark place again, like we're all here for you. So like, never be afraid to reach out. Carl? Yeah, I would just repeat what they said. I mean, the one thing that really gets me on this is like being able to see um, the warning signs. Like, I think that's really important. And like, there's been people around me that have dealt with this stuff. And I've done a poor job, I think, maybe seeing that. Um, like, my one. Um, my best friend in high school, one of my best friends in high school overdosed and like I dealt with a little bit of guilt, you know, because I hadn't talked to him in a couple of years. Um, so that just hit me like at home a little bit. We do the best we can, Kyle, you know, we do the best. Yeah, but thanks Liz for the, I think you did. Austin? Um, I just want to say, like, I appreciate you, like, coming out and telling everybody about this today. Like, this is one of those things that's not very easy to do, but you, like, you did it and you did a really good job. So thank you. And, like, I hope that you continue to get better and continue and, like, really embrace yourself because, like, I know that we all enjoy your company. So I hope you enjoy your company as much as we do. Thank you. Tony? Yeah, it was a really good presentation, and honestly, I feel more educated on the topic. One thing I really got out of it is that you should be using I statements when talking to people with these problems, so I'm definitely going to keep that in my mind when I have to deal with these problems in the future, and I hope that your life keeps going as smoothly as it is, and that you're very successful. Thank you. Allie? So I'm really proud of you for how you just did all that because I know you were stressing out because you and I are the ones who have like a different plan for the round table. And I know you were stressed about it, but I think you did a really good job. But I think it shows a lot of strength to be able to talk about something, one, like so personal and like just be able to say like, yep, this was what happened to me. But now you're so much more educated on it. And I think that that's just really 
it shows how brave you are, Liz. So I'm proud. Thank you. And Joe, a final word. Oh, best for last. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think you did a really good job, and I think it is how you've overcome something this hard in your lifetime. Not some people can't do it. Some can, and I think it's really amazing where you've come. And I really like how you talked about um, how to deal with friends and family and how to talk to their parents if you need to, because I think that's important, because I think some of us will at least once in our lifetime get into that position, maybe. But overall, you did a really good job. Thank you. And, and I already told you how good you did, Liz. So I'm going to stop uh, recording right now, and thank you very much for an excellent presentation. Thank you.